So I think we got two camps right now in the math ed field. We got one camp. They just want to be, be honest. Some folks just want to be seen, get some followers on social media and be the cool person and just do all the things. It is what it is. Rocky world. So they never were in it to actually facilitate change. But then we have folks that really want to do the things. We're too busy. I'm putting myself in there. I'm going to call myself out. We're too busy trying to do the big In thing. this episode, we'll dive into a conversation with Dr. Christopher Childs, a mathematics educator, presenter, and speaker from Orlando, Florida. Chris joins us again. We had him back on episode 68 a while ago. We talked about why the gradual release responsibility sucks. And we're back with Chris. And this time you're going to hear an insightful conversation about shifting professional learning opportunities for districts, schools, and teachers. Join in and learn what truly engaging mathematics professional learning needs to look like. Why equity is just a buzzword in education rather than something we actually care about and why real change needs to start with you. Let's go. Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We are from MakeMathMoments.com. This is the only podcast that coaches you through a six-step plan to grow your mathematics program, whether at the classroom level or at the district level. And we do that by helping you cultivate and foster your mathematics program like strong, healthy, and balanced trees. So if you master the six parts of an effective mathematics program, the impact you're going to reach will grow far and wide. Every week, you'll get the insight you need to stop feeling overwhelmed, gain back your confidence, and get back to enjoying the planning and facilitating of your mathematics program for the students or those educators that you serve. Hey, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into the conversation with Chris. Hey there, Chris. Welcome back to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. We had you here with us. Oh, it's been a couple of years. Back on, I think, episode 68, we talked about gradual release responsibility. And we are super glad to have you back. We're going to talk all things mathematics. So how you been? Everything's going good. I remember the last time we were on here, we talked about, you messed up the title. The last time yeah. it was gradual release of responsibility <laughs> sucks. I just want to say the, the sucks part because that kind of went viral a little bit. Folks were like, what's going on? But all things are going well. Still pushing this whole piece of what's happening in math. is. I'm going to be honest, I think it's stale. We keep regurgitating the same stuff over and over and keep wondering why we get the same results. So for me, I'm doing good, but the field, we struggling. Oh my gosh, you just nailed it. And that's exactly it. It's funny because it seems like so many of the ideas that John and I reiterate on the show and guests come on the show every single week, we're talking, like you said, about the same things. We just haven't actually done the things. And one of the biggest things on our mind has been how do we help, especially math leaders, in actually walking that walk? Because I think that's some of the most impactful work that we can do. And I'd be curious, before we dig right in here today, you're working with districts all over the place. You're working with Open Up resources. You're doing all kinds of great things out there. What do you see or feel is maybe our biggest hurdle or obstacle? obstacle in the field. If we're regurgitating all this stuff, the definition of insanity is what I heard you just say, right? Is we're just doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And here we are. What's the biggest hurdle in your mind? And how do we as a community, the math moment maker community, how do we do something about it? So I think we got two camps right now in the math ed field. We got one camp. They just want to be honest. 
some folks just want to be seen, get some followers on social media and be the cool person and just do all the things. It is what it is, Rocky World. So they never were in it to actually facilitate change. But then we have folks that really want to do the things. We're too busy. I'm putting myself in there. I'm going to call myself out. We're too busy trying to do the big thing as opposed to focus on what are the little things that we can be doing to slowly make progress and facilitate change. We're so worried about what's the big thing I can do that's going to knock it out the park. That ain't happening, y'all. It's the little things you keep chipping away at it and keep getting better and better and better and better and better and better, and better every single day. That's how we think about when a child, when you first learn to count, do you start learning to count one through 10,000? No, you start to learn what? Zero through five. Then you get to 10. Then you get to 20. Then you get to 100. It's the same thing. If it's a progression of learning to count, it's a progression of learning to change the system. But are we willing in this field of education, especially as math education, to do those little things that eventually are going to have a bigger impact? Yeah, I think a lot of people, like you said, say if we have effective mathematics, professional development folks sharing their ideas, their thoughts, their webinars, their courses, the work that they're doing, the partnering with the big districts, and they're trying to share big ideas. I think a lot of folks are trying to, we're hearing and what we're seeing is all pedagogy. It's like, boom, we got to change pedagogy. We got to change effective instruction. What are you seeing as the little things? If we're saying these are the big things, we're all trying to focus on big things. What would you say are some of the key moves, these little things that we need as teachers to put in the reps, keep hammering at these things over time, we'll know that will affect change with our students. So what would you say are some of your top little things that teachers can do to make those change? And then also effective professional development providers to help teachers make those changes. I think we got to, again, think small, but think simple and think meaningful. You're going to hear me say on this podcast, children a lot. I try not to use the word students because it's so formal and this ID number, but they're children. They're babies. They're still learning and growing no matter what age they're at. But one of the things we could do in your environments, how often do children have the opportunity to talk about math? They talk on the playground. They talk before school. They talk at lunch and they get a math class. They got to hear you lecture for 60 minutes, 90 minutes. What is a little thing to do? Allowing them to talk and showcase their thinking, creating that space for that to occur. That's a little thing that we can do. But how often do we do it? The second thing, how often we do we let I'm going hard in the paint. I don't know when you're watching this episode right now. We're in 2023, but I'm going hard in the paint to the end of the career. So if you're watching this in 2023, you're seeing it in real time. If you're watching it later in life. You know, I've been doing this. When are we going to make sure every child is seen and valued in their mathematics education experience? Too often, if you're not a white identifying child, you don't see yourself in the math education experience. If you're anything else, you may or may not see yourself. How often are we making sure every child seems seen, value within that experience? How are we showing women that can be mathematics educators? How are we showing someone that can be a melanated identifier as a mathematics educator? We are so centered on this crap of, we got to get the right answer. We got to get ready for the standardized test. We got to do this. We got we're missing the beauty of what mathematics was created to be. And that is a problem solving piece. Everyone being involved in it. But oftentimes in mathematics, we're so focused on, I got to tell you all these things because of the test. And we keep saying there's an achievement gap. There's really an opportunity gap because you're not creating the things for every child to be seen in value. So let's rewind that. Two things real quick that you can do. Number one, are you letting every child speak during the mathematics lesson? Every single child. Every single child has a contribution. Are they getting that opportunity? The second thing, are they seen in the mathematics experience? There's so many opportunities in mathematics to let someone be seen, be valued, be heard. Are you providing that? And you can't blame the curriculum for that. You can't blame the standards for that. You can't blame all the things 
we can only blame ourselves. Are we doing that? And then as professional learning providers, hey, y'all, this book going to go viral. A lot of y'all PL providers just taking the same books and highlighting a couple of notes and regurgitating some PL and doing a lot of things. Okay, respect. But are you changing the narrative or are you just trying to do a lot of things? What are you doing in this PL work? What are you doing in this work to be innovative and practical and actually making sure folks do the work? A lot of times we as PL providers, let me be honest, we come in, we do the thing, we're the rock star and we leave and never check on That's these exactly folks. exactly right. <laughs> and then, so perfect example, right before this podcast, I'm going to be honest, a district called me, we're going to do some work together. Oftentimes what we do, hey, district's telling you we need three things done. PL provides like, oh, I'm going to do those things, but let me show you four and five because that's my jam so I can feel good about myself. Right. So you go in, you really don't even do one, two, and three. You do four and five. You feel good. The district is like, we don't even talk about half that stuff. And that's, again, because it's easy to do it that way as opposed to how we authentically develop relationships with these districts, authentically over time working with, hey, what are you doing in the district? Let me help that part and then enhance it collaboratively and not just Hey, Chris, come do your thing. Hey, we're going to do our no, The goal is to help teachers. The goal is to help children. We got to work together. All right. I said a lot. Let me pause. Y'all, I'm hyped up, y'all. This I love it. I love it. I miss being on this podcast. Yeah. You're bringing it on a Monday morning, which is awesome. You got tons and tons of energy, which is amazing. And I want to roll back because you said so many key pieces there, which is so important. I think when you were talking about the PL leaders or the PL deliverers, I think one of the things that we see often missing is not only are they coming in, and I'll say we, Chris, you're just like us. You go in and you offer professional learning. But whether they realize it or not, oftentimes we come in and then we do things in the way that we're telling them not to do as students, which is telling them things, right? And we might do it in an engaging way. It might be an interesting story, whatever the presentation may be. But something that we really try to do anytime we're working in a district, we ask that we have the opportunity to engage in the math. Because until you actually see the mathematics unfolding in the ways that we're describing, right? Unless we get people to talk about the math and give them the opportunity, these are teachers getting the opportunity to do that talking. It's hard for them to go back into their classroom and get their kids to talk because I don't know what that's supposed to look like and sound like, right? That's a big risk for some teachers who may not have done that. If we're talking about trying to make sure that every student sees themselves as a valued member of the mathematics community, we need to let them as educators see that as well. And that's something that I think... We miss the mark on so many times unless we're very explicit about actually making sure that there's math at the center of everything we do with our educators. It's way too abstract, just like math class is way too abstract for the students that we're trying to teach when we're just telling them, telling them, telling them. It's too abstract for teachers to kind of see what this math environment could look like by just describing it. We need to create it with our educators so that the educators know what that looks like and feels like, most importantly, right? You have to feel it so that you go, oh my gosh, I need every single student in my class to feel the same way I felt through that mathematical experience. So I'm wondering for you, what does that look like and sound like when you want to go into a district and let's say they say something like, hey, listen, we just want you to do a 60-minute talk about all the good things. What does that look like and sound like for you? Is it one of those where you're like, ah, shoot, I just got to do it that way? Or how do you find ways to allow the participants to feel what it is that you want students to be feeling in your math class? So first, we got to redefine what is math. 
So when I'm working with districts, I'm always questioning this idea of math. Is it just a textbook, bunch of point of these textbooks? Is it just a textbook with a bunch of math problems in it? Or is math all around us? And how we create an environment where mathematics can make sense of the problems of the world? Where in general, let's not make it practical. I'm going like theoretical, makes sense of the world. It's kind of convoluted. But how are we making it practical? Everyday uses of math. Right now, we're doing this virtual. But when we're face-to-face, folks drove to a session. If you drove to a session or took some mode of transportation, utilize gas. That costs money. How can we just talk about the practical sense of how much did it cost for you to be here today? Then when you grab lunch, how much did that cost? Then making that connection to how much do you make? So those are practical pieces that we often get hung up on. Let's talk about these fractions today and finding a common denominator. Good and dandy. That common denominator is not going to help you pay that light bill. That common denominator is going to, not going to help you understand and make some calculations as you're moving through the day. So for me, it's how do we make practical sense of mathematics? And I call it, you know, applicable mathematics, not only for the participants, but then helping them think, how am I translating it into the classroom? We live in a day and an age. I'm not trying to give you ageism, but we grew up in this sense of you never have a calculator all the time. You got to learn these formulas. You got to memorize it. Let's be real. These children today going to always have that supercomputer in their pocket, that phone. They can Google. They can do a lot of different things. So we have to start to push. What are we doing to harness that as opposed to I got young children in schools and you can imagine what it's like me being a parent of children in schools and interacting with teachers. But I'm, I'm honest, I go into these conferences, and I say, hey, they're never going to use this stuff. Let's be real. You're making them memorize and learn stuff they would never use. What are we doing to be innovative? What are we doing to harness the power of technology? That's what we need to start thinking through in our workshops and then helping teachers see that. And then I know everyone's going to talk about the standardized exam, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, if we want to go there, we can go there. But at the end of the day, is that standardized exam benefiting children? No one has asked me what I got on my eighth grade math test. No one has asked me about my SAT, ACT scores. I'm just being honest. No, but they no have one... asked me to do problems. All right, let me let me stop. Because the assessment people are listening to y'all podcast like, let's skip that part. I don't want to hear that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really glad you brought up what is practical, but also what is being used by students in their real life. And it's something I think we're seeing in when we're doing our professional development sessions, as Cal had mentioned, that we focus heavily on the mathematics. But I think the mathematics in their practical sense, but what we're trying to do is uncover hidden truths for teachers because you're saying is no good for us to go in and show I'm going to show you how to do fractions that doesn't make any sense but what does make sense for us and what we're seeing the biggest hurdle right now in teachers changing their pedagogy is them truly understanding the conceptual understanding of mathematics so when we say hey we want to do fractions what we want to do is uncover actual strategies and models people in their real life will use hey they can have a calculator but are they using models in effective, flexible strategies to achieve that? And when we uncover that with teachers and we blow their minds with the models and strategies, they're like, I've never seen math done like that before. And we're like, actually, you probably have. It's probably the strategy you mentally do on your own anyway, but we don't teach it that way. We teach 
the algorithm and the memorization technique and not the actual understanding in the flexible model. When we start to show teachers that, that's where we see true change in pedagogy because that's the biggest hurdle right now. I'm not sure what you're seeing as a big hurdle for teachers to change their instruction is that when we're asking teachers to change their instruction and say, hey, I want more talking in my mathematics classes. I want my students to be talkers. I want that discourse. I want them to think. And I also want them to interact with each other. Teachers don't go down that pathway because they don't feel comfortable in unlocking the potential of what math could be to these students because they don't know it themselves. They're like, I don't have the confidence to be flexible in the moment. And so that's the biggest hurdle we're seeing right now in changing pedagogy is actually help teachers low confidence in real understanding of conceptual mathematics. I don't know. What are you seeing as a barrier right now in teachers changing pedagogy? Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here, and I've got just a quick message specifically for our district-level mathematics decision-makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. So I want to shift it from that piece to more. So the biggest thing I've seen in doing this PL work and I got to travel the country and doing it is most folks have to see it to believe it because all of us have gone through an educational experience. All of us have quote unquote seen it done. But as we're talking about these new and innovative models, are we giving them opportunities to see it done so they can make sense of it? Uh, oftentimes we do these abstract professional learning activities in, let's say, the cafeteria or the library. There are no children around. So it sounds good. It feels good. But I'm like every teacher I work with, show me in my classroom. So we need to take all of these things that we're saying that can be done into actual classrooms. And then collaboratively working with the teachers to show it can be done. And this is how we do it. Because at their heart, uh, every teacher wants to do better. Every teacher wants the children to do better. But oftentimes, we don't give them that chance to collaboratively work with us in this piece of collectively working to do better. You just nailed it. I love that. The piece and the key is, yeah, until you actually experience it, until you see it, you don't know what you're signing up for, right? It sounds great. I heard what John just said. That sounds great. I want to shift it, my thinking and do what John said, or I want to do what Chris said. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we need to really experience this, this shift before we're able to take that first step, the first real step, we'll say, right? in shifting that work and shifting our way through. And that's really interesting. I'm wondering where your head is at when you're going in and you work with, say, a district or you're working with a school. Do you have any sort of go-to strategies? 
We know there's so many math leaders that listen to this podcast. I would argue that the majority of listeners are in some sort of leadership role, be it at the grade level or maybe administration or coordinators, things of that nature. What's your go-to to kind of like invite educators to see and believe the mathematics as you're describing? For me, it starts on relationship building. A lot of folks expect me to jump into the math. A lot of folks in my work expect me to jump into, let's talk about equity. A lot of folks expect me just to do all the things. But at the end of the day, I want to develop a relationship with you. Why? Because one, I care about you, care about who you are as a person. And then mutually, I hope you care about me. That's why you brought me in. We can develop a relationship, sometimes maybe into a friendship, then we could collaboratively work together to do better for this district, to do better for these children. I think oftentimes in this work, we miss that. Uh, we miss that because we as PL providers trying to get in and get out. The people that are bringing us in, or, hey, we just need Fast to get in and, and furious. out. Fast and furious. But at the end of the day, I, I want to run a marathon with folks that I work with. I want to run a sprint. If somebody wants to run a sprint, I'm going to be honest, pick somebody else. I want to run a marathon because if I believe in what I'm saying, I believe in what I think we should be doing. I want to be there with you as teachers improve, as children improve. I don't want to just tell you something and let's see if it happens. Let's work together. Let's be collaborative. And that way, if it doesn't work, I want you to call me out on it. Chris, this stuff didn't work. And we worked together for the past year. Respect. I was wrong. So I think that's something that's missing within this piece. We have to be willing to develop relationships. We got to be willing to work together collaboratively. If we're working together collaboratively, then we can jump into, let's talk about the mathematics. Let's talk about, um, as John mentioned, let's dive into just conceptual knowledge, this conceptual understanding. Let's dive into this procedural fluence. Let's do all the things, but let's first get to know each other and see how we can collaboratively work together in making stuff better. Yeah, if we think about this collaboration piece, as we work in this PL piece, and PL providers, you know this, you travel, you see a lot of things. Education, we're doing so many things in silos. And with all this technology, how are we bringing people together? Like you see this happening here. You see this happening here. While it may not benefit you to connect the people, it benefits the ecosystem. So let's stop thinking so small and like, how do we make these connections that work together? I think that's so true because what you just said is exactly how all professional learning providers are talking about how to teachers can help their students is to create that relational trust. And in that mentor relationship is because a student is not going to, or a child is not going to open their minds to accepting new ideas, new strategies, talking to others, if they're not feeling seen in that classroom, but also have trust that the teacher is there for them. So we talk about that all the time as professional learning providers, but how many professional learning providers are doing that with the teachers that they're working with. And I think that's huge. And you hit the nail on the head about how many people are coming into a district and doing the one and done and then moving on, right? It's like, I'm here, I'm doing my four and five, and then I'm out. Instead of saying, no, I'm here for the long term. And that's actually one of our models that we've changed in the last couple of years is that we hold back on if you want us to come in and do a one off, it's probably not for us. We're looking to partner with the district for the long game and come in and build that trust so that we can support sustainable real change in your district and do all the little things with you to make this happen. And so that when we do leave, we might not partner for more than three years, but after that third year, when we do leave, we've left a system in place that not only is trust is built on the foundation of the leadership, but also it's trickled down to the teachers. So that's something that we've been working on. I'm glad that it's in line with what you're saying for sure. 
Chris, I want to shift just a little bit to be talking about, we have our virtual summit that we've been holding. This is going to be our fifth virtual summit coming up in November. You were with us a few times ago, and I want to kind of jump into some of the topics that we're going to talk about. Really looking forward to your session that coming up. I think your session is going to be on Sunday, November 19th. So we're excited to share that. Give us some insight. Give us some backstage access here on what you're thinking of talking about. And uh, let's dive in a little bit. So there's no secret what I'm talking about. I'm bringing one of my colleagues for this one, surprise guest. I'm not even going to say I'm here, who's coming with me. But we're going to hit on the big three. It's going to be simple. One, we're going to focus on classroom equity and mathematics. So classroom mathematics equity, a mathematics classroom equity. Second thing we're going to focus on is culture responsive education. What does it look like and feel like? We got to be honest. Let, we'll come back to the culture. I'm going to give you the big three. Then come back to it. Then the third piece is, what are we doing to create a child-centered environment? That's it. I'm keeping it simple. I'm not going to give you like, here are 50 things to do, big three, equity, culture-responsive, child-centered. That's all that matters. And the reason we're focused on this equity piece, it's education's favorite buzzword, but it's something we really don't care about. You probably like, dang, he just said that. Yeah, I just said it. You don't. We don't. In 2023, we still don't have equity in classrooms. And equity at all the levels, from technology, from proficient teachers, from the right environments, from high-quality curriculum materials from every child being seen value. In 2023, all this technology, we still don't have equity. Second piece, this culture responsive piece. In 2023, there's still curriculums that refuse to be inclusive as it relates to race, ethnicity, as it relates to socioeconomic status, as it relates to disabilities, or as it relates to multilinguals. In 2023. So you're telling me in 2023, we still have curriculums that only center one child. Yeah. So what are we doing to be culture responsive to all the things? And Every publisher out there, stop saying what you cannot do. You're a multi-million dollar company. You can hire anybody that you want and you refuse to do better. Why? Because it doesn't impact your bottom line. The districts keep buying these crappy materials from you. That's why you're not doing better. You don't want to do better. Clip that, post it. Yeah, I said it. I'm calling this out as an industry because we can do better. But at the end of the day, do we want to do better? Do we really care about every child? Do we really care about that bottom line every single month or every single day? You highlight something that I think is so true in education, not equity being like you're saying, it's in the forefront right now. It is the thing on every district improvement plan, school improvement plan, everywhere. But like you're saying, just like all the other improvement plans that have existed decades ago, does it really matter? Because if it really matters, then we're going to actually do something about it. And we're actually going to make it a priority, not just add it to the list of the things that we're going to say we're doing, but then make excuses that there's all these other things going on getting in the way, right? And that's ultimately what ends up happening with all of these improvement plans. So I am super, super excited to be able to dive into those big three with you at the summit. I'm wondering... Are there any sneak peeks for us? You gave us a big, big one right there. Just this idea that it's a buzzword, equity is a buzzword, and that actually, if we truly cared about it, that we would actually be doing something or more about it. Any other little sneak peeks for those who are thinking about the sessions that they're going to be attending this coming November? So at the end of the day, y'all, here's the biggest sneak peek, the biggest kept secret that you should know. Change starts with you. A lot of us, if I'm talking through these things, folks are listening to you, Kyle. Yes, the equity buzzword. Yeah, we have that plan. Or what about this? What about this? At the end of the day, when you close that classroom door, what are you doing to bring it by equity? When we're doing professional learning, what are we doing to push the needle? When you're doing all the things in your leadership, what are you doing? 
I am not trying to hear that you cannot do certain things. What I want to know is what can you do and are you doing the things that you can do, period. Yeah. I think if you're waiting for the senior administration, the district to tell you what it's going to look like, what it's going to do, then you're going to be waiting forever or you're going about it wrong. It does have to come from you going, what am I going to do to make this difference? Because it's going to come from the bottom up if it's really going to make this change for sure. Chris, I'm wondering, that sounds like a big takeaway for our listeners, but if you had to leave one more idea for our listeners right now, what would it be to leave the episode with? I'm going to say this to the listeners. You all have enjoyed Kyle, John, Chris. We appreciate you tuning in. You're not going to get this time back in your life. I say this in every talk that I have. So however long this episode ends up being, you're not getting this time back. But what history is going to record, all of you listen to this episode, you heard our voices. But the question is going to be what you're going to do with what you hear. A lot of us, we keep waiting for this mythical person to do all the things. When you were put here on this planet for a limited amount of time to do the things. The question is, are you willing to do the things that you need to do to facilitate change in mathematics education, to facilitate change in your environment, or are you just going to keep waiting for this mythical person? Are you going to keep waiting for all these other things to happen as opposed to looking in the mirror and saying, you know what, I've been getting a shot at this thing called life. This is the career path I've chosen. I'm going to do the things that I got to do to make it better. Are you willing to do that? If you are, get off your butt and start doing it. There's nothing magical that's going to happen in some moment in time. But what's going to happen or what needs to happen is you doing what you need to do to make these things happen. I love it. I love it. And if we all can take even that little thing and we all can do something, and that was kind of my big takeaway here, is that we can all do something to do it a little bit better. And if everybody's doing something to do it better, we're all going to learn from each other. You talked about collaboration, working together. It's like, hey, if I could bring this piece to the bigger puzzle and John brings that piece and Chris and the next person, the next person, we're all bringing these pieces together. It's going to fit nicely and we're going to have a much better situation for those students, not just this year, next year, but hopefully decades down the road. And hopefully when we chat with you on the next time we're on the episode, we're not saying, hey, we're still regurgitating the same things over and over again. It sounds like what you're saying is let's quit waiting and let's just take some action. So Chris, we want to thank you so much for being on the show here today, coming back on the show and joining us again this November 17th, 18th, 19th, 2023 in our fifth annual free virtual summit. Chris is going to be one of our featured speakers. And as always, Chris, always learning a ton from you and with you. And we so appreciate the work you do and for taking some time to chat with the Math Moment Makers here today. Yeah, thank you all for the opportunity to continue doing the amazing work that you all are doing. A real quick plug, follow me on all social media platforms at DRK Childs. Take me on the website, www.christopherchilds.com. Christopher with a K. And don't forget, hey, Chris has his own podcast. You co-host with a few others. Chris, tell them about your podcast. So we switched it. We pivoted. We got a new show. Ooh. Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. So if you're on YouTube, type in Inspiring Voices from the Classroom. It's on my channel. I go around the country interviewing some amazing mathematics educators live and in person. We just released season two, brand new episodes out, inspiring voices from the classroom. Yes, it's on the podcast platforms, but as a show, check it out on YouTube. I promise it's the most amazing show to hit math education. Y'all need to check it out. Awesome stuff. We will include all of that in our show notes page. Chris, again, thanks so much and look forward to chatting with you in November. Thank you. Y'all take care. Take care now, my friend.
Well, my friends, today we had another great discussion with Dr. Chris Childs. And the last time he was on the show, we talked about why the gradual release of responsibility model sucks. And now, you know what? He wasn't holding any punches either. And we addressed some of the challenges. We talked about the constant regurgitation of the same things over and over again in math education, probably in education in general, even touched on this idea of how we know that equity is just a buzzword and how actually doing something about it is how we can truly show that it does, in a sense, matter in our districts, in our schools, and in our classrooms. And it was a great discussion. We could talk about all six parts of the math program tree that we've highlighted, but something that came out quite a bit was the limbs of the tree. And when we're talking about the limbs of the tree, from a district perspective, we're talking about the PD structures. So things involved in how we plan and deliver our professional development. But also in the math classroom, we refer to the limbs as our own professional learning plan. And we hit it in both ways because we talked about some of the ways that we've been ineffective in delivering professional development in the past. And I'm sure Chris feels the same way. He was probably there. We've been there. And that we've actually got to do the work with educators for them to see and believe, as Chris articulated. In our own classrooms, Chris calls on you to do something, right? And when he says something, he's talking about those things that you know are going to make a difference and just acting on them. You're never going to get them all. You're never going to know it all. But take what you know now and put them into action. And I really like that as a great call to action, really, for our district leaders, as well as our classroom teachers on both sides here, we have actionable steps that we can take that will help us get that stronger, balanced, and healthy math program tree. Hey, and one action you can take right now, if you're listening to this in October, then registration is open for the upcoming Make Math Moments Virtual Summit. Chris is going to be presenting there, as you heard in this episode, along with a number of other featured speakers, and actually a collection of you, of Math Moment Makers, listeners, classroom teachers who've applied to speak at our free conference. First time ever that we've opened the doors to accepting applications. So you're going to hear from practicing classroom teachers. We're elevating the voices of our Make Math Moment Makers. So you can head on over right now to makemathmoments.com forward slash summit, register right now, choose your sessions, and that's an action item you can take so that you can learn what and the next step can be. You can learn from Chris, you can learn from us, you can learn from Peter Little, you can learn from Dr. Nikki Newton, among others. So makemathmoments.com forward slash summit. All right, my friends. Hey, and do you know someone who could learn from this podcast? Guess what? By sharing it, you're not only helping us reach a wider audience, but you're also helping to influence and impact more students in mathematics. If that's a goal for you, which we know it is, then go ahead and share this podcast. Do us a favor and rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, or maybe it's on YouTube and you're watching us right now in full color go ahead and do so. We would so appreciate it. And remember, show notes, links to resources, and all kinds of other goodies are available over on makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 253. Until next time, my Math Moment Maker friends, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a high five for you. <laughs> 
If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle, walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook after completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.